In today's episode, we hear about a pig heart transplant, the James Webb Telescope's latest success, and revolutionary new tech that can support health workers in the fight against COVID-19. But first, it was this week in history that Wikipedia was first launched by Jimmy Wales and Larry Sanger. In its 21 years of existence, it's become the go-to information bank and every student's favorite resource. In a first-of-its-kind surgery, David Bennett, a 57-year-old patient with terminal heart disease, received a successful transplant of a genetically modified pig heart. Doctors in Maryland were granted a special exemption by the U.S. medical regulator to carry out the procedure because the patient was too ill to be considered for a human organ transplant. Dr. Bartley Griffith performed the surgery that was considered the last hope of saving Mr. Bennett's life. He just didn't have enough blood flow through his body because of his weakened heart to sustain his life. He simply didn't want to die, doesn't want to die. And uh, he felt that if he had no opportunity, and he was pretty well convinced by multiple doctors who had told him he had a fatal disease and he was unlikely to leave the hospital because of it. With that as a background, as, as an alternative, he, he said to me two very important things. He said, I don't want to die. And he said, if I do, maybe you'll learn something to help others. Considered one of the world's foremost experts on transplanting animal organs, it was the groundbreaking research of Dr. Mohammed Mahoudin that allowed for the successful surgery. We have uh, modified 10 genes in this, in this big heart. Uh, four genes were knocked out, three of them responsible for producing antibodies that causes rejection. So those three genes were knocked out and then one gene was knocked out to control the growth of pig and its organs. Whilst the man is recovering well, it's not yet clear what his long-term chances of survival are. The pig heart will be attacked by different soldiers in our body. Different immune um, players uh, can take it out. And we, we have designed a treatment plan in addition to the humanized, genetically edited heart to try to account for that. But the future of the surgery is looking hopeful and scientists say it could be a game changer in solving the organ shortage crisis. What everybody wants, right, is not to be limited simply by the supply of human organs for transplant. And, uh, you know, a number of the organs can be treated, uh, you know, and used uh, in this way um, from a, an animal and can be commercialized basically as a, as a drug, right? And in essence, on-demand delivery, right? You would have it delivered, removed and delivered. If that's true, we will obviously change the face of what's possible for people who now wait years. It's been described as one of the great finds in British paleontological history. Measuring around 10 metres in length and with a skull weighing approximately one tonne, the Rutland Ichthyosaur is the largest and most complete fossil of its kind ever found in the UK. It was discovered by Joe Davis, conservation team leader at Leicestershire and Rutland Wildlife Trust during the routine draining of a lagoon at Reservoir Rutland Water. We were walking across the muddy flats with a, with a laser level 
over uh, over our shoulder and and I was with a colleague Paul Trevor we looked down on the ground and saw a saw a, a sort of a series of uh, what looked like rocks in a in a formation sometimes you get clay pipes and the like out there but this looked a bit different so we um a closer a closer look we found um, we found what looked to be uh, vertebrae uh, large vertebrae from you know really significant size animal and um, and then we found what looked like a jawbone along as well at that point you know we got really quite excited Known as sea dragons, ichthyosaurs coexisted with dinosaurs, but these seagoing reptiles were entirely different creatures. They evolved from land reptiles during the Triassic period over 246 million years ago. This fossil, however, is geologically younger, dated to about 180 million years ago, but there's no doubt this animal was a giant. We certainly never thought we'd find um, an ichthyosaur, um, and certainly the magnitude and, the, and just the scale of it. This is almost sort of whale, you know, whale size, bigger than the killer whale. It's just, just amazing. So to come on the Smart 7 Sunday, the James Webb Telescope reaches a critical milestone and revolutionary new treatment for Parkinson's. Liftoff from a tropical rainforest to the edge of time itself, James Webb begins a voyage back to the birth of the universe. NASA scientists are one step closer to unlocking the secrets of the universe. This week, the James Webb Space Telescope completed its final tricky deployment sequence. It was launched on Christmas Day 2021 and has now completed the last of 50 deployments of its unique honeycomb-shaped mirror. It will soon be ready to capture light from the very first galaxies and maybe even reveal the mysteries of life on other planets. It's been seen as a successor to NASA's Hubble Telescope, which has been orbiting the Earth for the last three decades. If you think of any image of outer space, chances are Hubble captured it. Amber Strawn is astrophysicist at NASA's Goddard Space Center and she's been working on the telescope for more than a decade. Speaking to The Verge, she explained how the James Webb is going further than any telescope in history. As incredible as Hubble has been, you know, there are a lot of ways that we have pushed it to its limits. And JWST is specifically designed to sort of go past that boundary and answer some of these big questions that Hubble just can't quite get to. We expect JWST to be roughly about 100 times more powerful than Hubble. But unlike Hubble, which sees invisible light, the Webb Telescope will see infrared light. So if you look at the most distant galaxies we've ever seen with Hubble, you'll see that there are these teeny tiny little red dots. They're so distant that their light has been stretched by the expansion of space-time all the way into the infrared part of the spectrum. So in order to have a telescope that would be able to detect these very, very early galaxies, it needed to be infrared uh, and it also needed to be very, very big. And this telescope certainly is big. It sports a giant mirror 6.5 meters across that will gather even more light than Hubble's. And also the size of the mirror helps us to see finer detail in the cosmos in this wavelength range. So thinking about if there was a bumblebee on the moon, from the Earth, we would be able to see that the heat of that bumblebee. And in terms of sharpness, we would be able to see details the size of a penny from 24 miles away. I really do think that this telescope will, will be transformational for astrophysics. I think that we will learn things about the universe that completely surprise us. Four. 
A revolutionary new treatment is bringing hope to Parkinson's sufferers. Light therapy is being used to stimulate dopamine production in the brain and reduce symptoms. Developed by Australian medical tech company Simbex, it's non-invasive and pain-free treatment for the condition. So far, trial results show impressive improvement in mobility, fine motor skills and even sense of smell. Olivia Nasseris is from the Parkinson's Hospital Research Foundation, which is funding the research, and spoke to Australia's Sunrise on 7 about the progress. So we have a handheld laser um, that focuses on the gut and on the neck, and then we have um, the helmet that focuses on the subcranial, on the head. We have seen improved smell. So in Parkinson's, you can actually have a loss of smell, and we all know that we actually eat through our sense of smell. Um, there has been improved sleep, and everyone that knows has had lack of sleep knows that that affects your daily well-being. There's been improved um, microbiome in the gut and, um, and a general um, lifting of mood, so apathy and um, depression are actually two of the biggest non-motor symptoms in Parkinson's. The laser that targets the gut is supposed to spark the pleasure neurotransmitter dopamine, but how does the laser light actually work in the body? We don't exactly know how it works, but it doesn't. we don't even need to know how it works. So <laughs> it could be through the mitochondria, it could be through improved microbiome, but all we want to achieve is, is um, improved well-being in the here and now for people living with Parkinson's. So to come on the Smart 7 Sunday, we peer into the gateway to hell and hear about how a rare species of fish came back from extinction. Right after this. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to the Sunday 7. Follow us for your weekday news espresso. Or even try our island edition. It's in all the usual places. In the middle of the Turkmenistan desert is a 70 metre wide hole and the hole, well, it's on fire. This is the gateway to hell. It is officially called the Darvaza Crater and the hole in which it lies formed in 1971 after a gastral collapse. It was set alight in an effort to burn off the natural gas with the expectation it would only take a few weeks to complete, but it has now been burning for the last 50 years. George Coronas is the first person to have ever to descend it to the bottom of the crater and he spoke to Skies K. Burley about how he did it. And I was able to bring my team into Turkmenistan with tremendous difficulty and rig fire-resistant ropes and specialized heat protective equipment and drop down to the very bottom with only 17 minutes worth of air. And the purpose was to gather soil samples from the bottom, looking for any type of bacteria living at the bottom that could give us clues as to where we might want to send our space probes in the future to look for life on other planets because it is such an exotic place. And now for the question on all our minds, how did he not die? <laughs> well, uh, a lot of uh, preparation, a lot of specialized custom equipment. My climbing harness had to be uh, made out of Kevlar because a regular climbing harness would have melted from the extreme heat. I measured a ground temperature of 400 degrees Celsius. Uh, and of course, limiting your time down there is, is the key. Uh, I only had a s certain amount of air because we didn't trust the quality of the air down there. And of course, you don't want to breathe in 400 degree air. 
Now, after burning continuously for decades, the country's president, Gurbangale Burhima Homado, wants it to be extinguished for environmental and health reasons, but can it? The fire certainly can be put out. There, there's no question about that. It's just whether or not it is beneficial to put it out from an environmental aspect. Um, methane, raw methane, unburned, is actually more of a greenhouse gas than burning it and releasing carbon dioxide rather to, than methane. So it's actually a little bit better for it to burn than not. And at the same time, well, it is a tourist attraction. There's actually uh, a fence around it now and flush toilets and picnic tables. You've heard of Fitbit? Well, here comes Facebit. It's the first smart monitoring device for face masks. I'm Josiah Hester, assistant professor of computer engineering at Northwestern University, and my team and I invented Facebit. Facebit is a smart face mask insert, uh, and then a magnet fastens it to that face mask that lets you gather a bunch of useful physiological signals from the face, including your heart rate, your respiration rate, and whether your mask is fitting. So the Fitbit for your face. At the beginning of the pandemic, healthcare workers endured poorly fitted masks during their long, grueling shifts. You've probably seen like the lines on people's faces from healthcare professionals. You lose feeling and this gets numb. This mask can be moving around your face and you don't even know it because you've just been on your feet, burnt out for 12 hours. While there are necessary fit tests to ensure an appropriate fit, they're cumbersome and time-consuming. Each time they take 20 minutes out of a healthcare worker's day. The team at Fitbit knew there was a better way and put their heads together to explore new methods for measuring a mask's fit. We measure the amount of pressure in the mask and the pressure differences. So you go through this process, get your fit mask, and then we baseline this. Then we can compare that over time based on how the pressure changes to then give you an alert if there might be a problem. If a healthcare professional has an intelligent mask, we don't want them to have to plug it in after four hours just like you would a phone or it goes dead in the middle of a surgery or they're on a long shift. Like that's just not going to work. I don't want to have people plugging their mask into a wall. That's absurd. Although a tiny battery powers the device, Facebook is designed to harvest energy from other sources. Harvesting energy from your breath, your movement, from the sun, to give a little bit of extra juice beyond the little tiny battery to let you wear this thing for weeks at a time. And that kind of vision of a battery-free but intelligent, useful PP is what drives us. And this is a really nice kind of jumping off point for the rest of the research community to use and to continue down this path of you know, intelligent, low ecological impact, personal protective equipment. It's a rare species with an extraordinary story. The tuila fish is a small freshwater fish that lives in the rivers and lakes of southwest Mexico, but it's been missing, presumed extinct for more than a decade, and it's just one of thousands of aquatic creatures that are facing extinction but are slipping the radar. Small little things, a bit silver, sometimes a bit of color when they breed, but not much interest on the global conservation aspect. That's Dr. Gerardo Garcia, curator of lower vertebrates and intervertebrates at Chester Zoo, speaking with the BBC. In a collaborative initiative between the zoo and scientists in Mexico, researchers have reversed that extinction, bringing captured bred fish back to the wild, and they're thriving. 
they're doing well. They started with a reintroduction of 1,500 animals. So now we're talking about from 1,500 individuals now to tens of thousands. And now we'll be seeing that the species is slowly start expanding to the river system, which is exactly what we wanted. So that is a very good start, and hopefully that will be more species looking forward. Among the estimated one million species under threat around the world, a third of wildlife that depend on freshwater habitats are sliding towards extinction, and we as humans depend on these systems too. In Jalisco, Mexico, the community stepped in and trained with the scientists to take on long-term monitoring of the vital river network so that it's clean and healthy for both us and wildlife. It's a conservation success story. Hopefully this can be repeated for other threatened habitats and species around the world. This has been the Sunday 7. However you're listening, do us a favour and hit the follow button. We'll be back tomorrow at 7am with a regular Smart 7 Ireland edition. Have a great rest of the weekend. Written, produced and published by Daft Doris. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, this is Kira from the Smart 7 Ireland edition. Just to let you know, we're pausing this podcast from Friday the 25th of August, but you can still get up to speed in just seven minutes if you search the Smart 7 and catch up with our UK edition. Thanks for listening.